So last year when I was down training at California Range Weekend, I had the opportunity to connect with Dez. She is the mother prepper on Instagram. I recognized her right away and uh, ran over. We got into a little bit of a conversation and we decided she had to come on the show. This is an awesome gal. I really enjoyed my conversation with her. She was able to come down. She drove a couple hours to come visit me on the weekend. We sat at the table. We talked for quite some time. We got into all kinds of stuff. I love her perspective on self-reliance, urban prepping, micro homesteading, self-defense. We talked a lot of stuff with regard to prepping. Some of what we get into is kind of like how to define what a prepper actually is. She's got a really good take. And I also really enjoyed her perspective as a female. I don't get a lot of that on the show. I'll take full responsibility for that. But this is a baddie. She gets it. And I've had a good amount of conversation with her on air and off air. I hope you guys enjoy this. Go check out her page. That's at Mother Prepper on Instagram. She's got a great channel. There are tons of information. It goes everything from like financial prepping to, again, food prepping to firearms to self-defense, all kinds of different stuff. So just a really cool, dynamic person that uh, I also made promise me she would come back for further discussion on a few other things. Really hope you guys enjoy this episode with Dez. Just need to take a couple minutes to thank the sponsors for today's show. You know, the older kids taught me a lesson early in life, and that was snitches get stitches. We kids wanted things we said and did in the absence of outside eavesdropping eyes and ears to remain private and secure within our little neighborhood tribe. After all, this information was private, and we were sworn to keep it secure so it didn't get exploited in the wrong hands. Nowadays, my private information has expanded beyond that little group of bike-riding marauders and now sits available on all my electronic devices. And that makes me feel pretty uneasy especially after having my phone and personal accounts hacked and taken advantage of. The reality for you and me is our laptops are never really off. Our phones hold our entire lives, including family and work, and everything from credit cards to passports contain RFID. All of this effectively makes those little items little snitches. And this makes us all vulnerable to having our digital lives stolen. It's time to put a stop to that. And this is where Silent comes in. That's S-L-N-T. Silent offers a range of sleek RFID blocking wallets, EDC Faraday bags, travel gear, laptop sleeves, and key fob cases with the added protection of their patented Silent Pocket Faraday cage technology. This elite signal blocking technology is the easiest way to instantly enhance your peace of mind around how your mobile devices are screwing your digital life up. My personal favorites are the Silent Faraday phone and laptop sleeve. They give me peace of mind by allowing me to completely disconnect from anything incoming and or outgoing, including things that can negatively impact my financial, physical, psychological, and emotional health. So if you're looking for a solution to reclaiming your personal privacy, security, and health, go check out silent.com. That's S-L-N-T.com. You can follow them at GoSilent on Instagram and Twitter, and then use the code IRONSIGHTS at checkout for an exclusive discount. I want to tell you about Bioprotein Plus. It doesn't matter who you are, guys. It doesn't matter how you train, how good you eat. It's happening to all of us. Our HGH human growth hormone, the master hormone responsible for our workout recovery, our performance, our metabolism, and even our libido, it starts to go down. So that's where Bioprotein Plus comes in. It's the first of its kind non-synthetic alternative to prescription HGH hormone treatments. So how does that work? Well, you can get all the benefits of HGH without any of the needles, side effects, or irritating or annoying doctor visits. Best part is BioPro Plus, well, it works super fast, it's easy to use, and it's 100% safe. So here's what else you should know. If you listen to the show, then you know I'm pretty particular about what I put into my body. I understand the science behind the stuff, and having had my own experiences over the years, I wanted to find out a little bit more about it. So the BioPro Plus team sent me a 30-day supply. Super easy to do. It's liquid formula, 
for the night and the morning. I hold the stuff under my tongue for about 90 seconds, and then I go ahead and swallow it. That's it. Here's what happened right away. Quality of my sleep, better. My libido, through the roof. Recovery from my workouts was dramatically cut down, and my overall sense of well-being was markedly different. And we're talking this happened within days, not weeks. The bottom line, this is the only change I made in my diet. I didn't change my workouts, and my lifestyle during this little personal experiment is exactly the same as it was, and I feel fucking amazing. All this with no needles, no prescriptions, and no weird shit to worry about like when using exogenous hormones or anabolics. And if you know, you know. Remember, this stuff is completely legal and totally safe. So if you want to fix the way you perform, look, and feel, go to www.bioproteintech.com or you can follow them at bioproteintech. When you get there, make sure to use code IRONSIGHTS for $30 off your order. Welcome to Iron Sights After Dark. During my 25 plus years in the fitness industry, I've always been passionate about expanding my physical, mental, and hard skills to be prepared for whatever life might throw at me. From fitness to firearms and beyond, taking a holistic approach to being prepared has led me on a journey to seek and share both knowledge and skills from expert resources in the civilian, LEO, military, and first responder communities. The mission of this podcast is to help others expand their capabilities and knowledge of preparedness while building strength in the community that shares similar goals and values. So ultimately, we contribute together and grow together. Well, you made it all the way down here. Hell yeah. Sacra- Sacramento area yeah. came in to spend time, which I'm always super grateful for. But this one's um, this one's a first for me in a lot of ways. Why? Yeah, I, well, first off, I don't get to to have, and when I say get, it's not it's not a matter of like it's more a matter of opportunity. I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of opportunity to meet with with ladies in the in the genre right? That handle things with regard to preparedness mm-hmm. that often, obviously there's so, so many pillars to this. And I want to talk to you. That's why I'm yeah. going to talk to you today, but we can kind of the firearm space, we get into, um, you know, food pre- preparation space, we get into the medical space. There's so many things. So, many. so I don't get too many opportunities, but I did get the opportunity to meet you down at California range weekend, which was this past November. Yeah. And I was surprised because I recognized you right away. I've been aware of you no for, for a very long That's time. That's nice. Yes. And, and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So we started this conversation and we're like, we got to do this. And so here we are. So in that way, it's also very, very cool for me today that we finally made this happen. So yeah. thank you for being here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I guess if we just get into to things right away, there's probably a lot of people that know exactly who you are, but we always have to go through a little bio and stuff. Uh, Des is mother prepper on the on the Instagram for those people that are looking at the or watching the video right now. Like uh, that's where I know her oh. from. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, you've got quite a uh, quite a brand and quite a following there. That's how where I became aware of you, um, and I'm a bit of a fan. Thanks. I, I love your stuff. It's always very practical. And I think that's part of the brand. I'll let you talk about that, but it's also fun. And I love the different perspective because most of the time, and I'm just going to put it right out there. Most of the time when I see people talking about it, it's a lot of dudes. Uh, yeah. So we got, <laughs> I have tons of stuff to get into. So anyway, anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks. Let's hear about you, Des. 
talk to me. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate you having me here. It's it's great to finally be like in person for like a conversation. Uh, so many of them have been virtual, so I feel very honored. But I am pretty much trying to just share my own preparedness journey on mm-hmm. social media. And that could be a combination of Instagram or, or YouTube. But I... I want to help change the narrative of what preparedness look, looks like. And I try to keep it, like you mentioned, like in a practical way and in a way that is not fear-mongering because there's a lot of that too. I think when people think of preparedness and preppers, they think of this lone wolf prepper with a bunker in the, in, you know, the mountain. Sure. And that probably still is very much the space. But I think there's not enough people that are talking about preparedness in a normalized way, especially when we look at urban and suburban environments, which is a ton of us. You live at, you know, live in uh, an urban and suburban environment, as do I. And a lot of people, they think, well, I don't have acres and acres of land, so I'm not even going to start because it's a, I'm not going to be able to do it because I don't have that mm-hmm. space to be able to prepare in the way most people would think of preparedness. So I have been sharing my journey um, the last couple of years on social media and just finding ways to insert and empower preparedness for everybody, things that anybody, despite where they're living, they would be able to take on. And it's a lot of the same um, foundational aspects of preparedness, whether you're looking at food storage, defense, communications, just knowledge. Um, So that's kind of been my journey. It started really for me and my family in 2017. We were up in the northern suburbs of Northern California. And at whatever reason, 2017, there was like torrential downs. Crazy. It was crazy, right? I think the term that they used was atmospheric river. That's right. That was the first time it got used, but the the dams and the rivers were overflowing everywhere. It was- That's exactly what happened. It caught people off guard and unprepared. Yes. And so I was one of them. I'm not even going to lie. I did not, I was not raised in this preparedness mindset. We, my husband and I, we didn't even have children at the time. I had my stepdaughter, but she was, you know, much older. And the uh, thought of like, what do we do? So the neighboring areas where we were, they had flooded. Their main roads were cut off. Granted, it wasn't my immediate area, but it wasn't far off as far as a possibility. Close to home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about like five minutes down the road. We, they had to leave their homes. And so I, I thought about it and it with the realization of we're completely unprepared. Like, where would we go? What would we grab? I had no clue. Did Was this a discussion that you were having with the husband or is this something you were doing in your own head? It started in my head and then it came in outwardly like, we are so unprepared. And how was that received? He was like very much in agreement that you're right. Where, what what do we do? do? What do we do? <laughs> what we do? And I'm, I'm very grateful that I have a, you know, a spouse and a husband that is supportive of this because it only benefits our family and kind of exploring like what would make sense for our family in terms of preparedness. So my journey really started with creating uh, go bags and bug out bags for each of our family members. And it was this, you know, we didn't have our our young daughter at the time. So that's kind of what my entry point was to preparedness. And then you just kind of layer on additional mm-hmm. components. But there's a lot of ways to, to kickstart your preparedness. And that's one of the things I like to talk about. But my journey started with go bags and bug out bags. So let's talk about this because I think a lot for, that's probably very similar for a lot of people. Like yeah. I just need, I just know like if I'm going to be traveling or if I had to get out of the house, I need to have, I need to be prepared to go. Like if there's a fire or something like that, mm-hmm. I got to go. This is, again, we're talking this like very surface level kind of thought process. And it generally starts with something like that. I mean, I've had my own experiences in yeah. life thinking I was prepared and then got hit in the side of the head with something 
I, I didn't see coming, mm-hmm. right, which then completely changed everything that I thought I knew was like, now I know what I don't know. Yeah. I've got to go out and learn some more. So the question in that is like with the bug out bag thing, is that, was this something you'd ever considered before? Not at all. Uh, I mean, you hear, you see an advertisement all the time for it's like, if a disaster strikes, what are you going to do? And they market a pre-made bag. But I'll tell you, has anyone actually looked at what's in there? Uh, this it's is my crap. point. Yeah, this is my point. So I, this is where I want to go with this because that's the first thing is the realization that, oh, maybe I do need some of this stuff, but I'm going to ask you to maybe think back before. Had you, had this ever been marketed to you before? Had it ever even crossed your mind? Not at all. Okay. So that's another thing that I get from people. Like, it's almost like when you bring it up, it's such a novel thing to somebody who's never thought through this. Then the next part is, where do you go to get information on this? And you just sort of alluded to like some research and you came across the already, the done for you ones. But what was your experience like trying to figure out how to get together the right kind of a bug out bag? I will not lie. It felt very heavy. It felt like there was this overload of information that was available, right? Because the moment you kind of, it's very easy for somebody when they're thinking of preparedness to feel like it's spiraling, it's too heavy, it's gloom and doom. Mm -hmm. Because even trying to search on the web for, you know, a list of what to put in your your go bag and your uh, bug out bag, it just felt like very heavy of and kind of just daunting the whole activity of putting that together. But I was surprised that I own a lot of the items already that I would need to put in my bug out bag. Mm-hmm. And so for me, my journey, as far as finding a list of what resources were available, started on all the normal places like a Google search, you know, lists on Etsy and trying to find other creators or people that talked about this type of thing on social media and YouTube. And every one of them that I found, it didn't quite relate to me because these were people who were like survival, survivalists, Bushmen, right? And just very, very, their niche was just not quite what I was looking for. And so I wanted to try to share that journey on social media of like how I've taken what available resources there are and kind of made it my own because I have a young family. I don't have a bunch of land. I have, uh, you know, I live in the suburbs. What would that look like for me? And it, I was able to connect with so many because a lot of people are like that. Where sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where they just they don't have you know acres of of land and they don't live this bushman lifestyle and, and extreme survivalist. Because I think when people think of preparedness, they think of the show like Doomsday Prepper. Mm-hmm. They think of like the show, yeah, Naked and Afraid, like little weird. things like that. Like yeah. practical preparedness should be so much more common than it is. And unfortunately, it's not. But I feel like, especially in the events of the last couple of years and what we continue to see as uh, events, whether it's natural disaster or whatnot, Mm -hmm. in the everyday headlines, it's becoming so much more accepted by people who feel like they should make, they should feel empowered to make small changes to be more prepared, which is great. Yeah, I just saw, I mean, literally today, I believe, I forget which county it is. It's somewhere in the Northeast that uh, the, the, the public safety department or whatever it is had put out a post to the city going, Hey, stay in your houses. Please don't go out. We have people that are stranded out on the roads. Our first responders can't get to them right now because of ice and snow. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I mean, that's a very real thing. We see those things happen every single year and it's perfectly. And people don't learn. They don't learn. (laughs) People are going to die because they don't have some very, very simple resources that they could have on hand, standby. Yeah. 
but they die because they don't. And and that might be, again, going back to the, like the weirdness, like, dude, why does everybody have to go to the doomsday prepper end of things? Why like does zero it zero to 100? To, that's exactly <laughs> it. But the reason it goes to zero to 100 is because you didn't get to one or two or three first. Yeah. And if you had done that, like five yeah. would have never even showed up for you. I like, like to- Like just deep. Don't go out. Right. Like, and I like to what? challenge people to think of like the everyday inconveniences as being something that we should be prepared for also. Like your car breaking down. Do you know how to change a tire? That's not zero to a hundred at right? all, man. It's not. It's very, it's very practical. Things that we encounter all the time. Power outages. Do you know how many people don't have alternative heating, alternative power sources a, for a simple power outage, which ironically, affects many more in a suburban and urban environment just because it's such a shared grid and there's a lot of opportunity for that to fail. But you go anywhere outside where people have had to endure some of these hardships, like in the country, they, especially if they have to have a generator for water well pump, mm-hmm. they're accustomed to this. They've yeah. learned. And so it's kind of bringing that sense of there's small things you can do to be more empowered at a small scale and very practical. So the bug out bag is where it starts mm-hmm. and you start down this path. And you, I think you you may or may not have used this term, like the rabbit hole of like all the things that it's there. It's deep yeah. you know, when you start getting into all the things. So if we could, for the audience, just kind of get inside your head a little bit with regard to if you, are, are there pillars that you talk about? And, and if there, if there are in terms of how do we get this stuff in order? So yeah. if I'm having this conversation with somebody who is a little disconnected from it all or a lot disconnected from it all, You've, you just hit on some really key points. I think, okay, you got my attention now. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to this. Now, how in the hell would I, even, where would I even begin with this? How do I even begin to think about this? I think it really takes, first of all, it should be a family effort. It should not just be one person that's kind of calling the shots because if this is not shared knowledge in a family kind of environment, if you're compromised, no one's going to know what to do. So it should be talked about and talked about often. Um there are a lot of entry points to preparedness. I know I talked about bug out bags, but it really it really takes you to start that family conversation and understand where are some of your most vulnerable points, right? If you know that evacuating would be an easy task and you've already kind of put together your bug out bags, but you realize if we had to hunker down, we have zero idea of what a sustainable food mm-hmm. storage looks like and a food rotation plan. Mm-hmm. That's a vulnerability. That's something you might want to focus on that would be different than maybe the next family who is fine with food storage. They've been doing this for for years. And so there's no one cookie cutter way mm-hmm. to start preparedness. I and I think that. that's what this journey is is really been about for a lot of people. It it's a combination of like what you can store physically and, and attainable, like physical goods, as well as it is skill. It's a fine balance of the skills you can learn as well. So so some people will say, and I've done the food storage stuff. I've got bug out bags, but I have no idea how to grow food. I have no idea how to, you know, raise livestock, even chickens, backyard chickens. There's a lot of ways that people will be able to kind of start that journey. But the first point is looking at where are your most vulnerable points in, in what your family would probably be faced with. For example, if you don't live in an area that it frequently floods, why would you be prepping for that? Right. If you live in an area that, you know, frequently get snowstorms, that might be something you need to consider. And what do those snowed out seasons look like? So I think it's very unique to your location as well. There are still going to be things that are going to be common for everybody to be more prepared for, but take a look at where you are in this and the season of life that you are in. Like if this is something where 
you are, you know, you have young children in your home, mm-hmm. that's going to be a unique thing you're going to have to prepare, prepare for. If you have elderly parents that live with you, that's also going to be a unique situation. So there are foundational things that everyone should consider, things like alternative um, lighting, communications, self-defense, things like heating for, for comfort and necessity, food and water. But there are there is a lot where you want to customize that plan for your family because everybody's needs are going to be different. Mm-hmm. There are some people that have extreme dietary restrictions, probably not going to buy the ready-made like freeze-dried Such foods that are point. out there because it's not you can't have it anyways. Such a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think the you've you've hit on so many notes. I know, I mean, so I'm like, no, 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 all but, the information. But that's that's how somebody's going to be receiving this right on the other end with regard to, oh my God, where do I start? And you mentioned it right up front, and that it can be very overwhelming if you let it get that way. Yeah. But I think the the one of the big takeaways I took away from that is there is no one size fits all to this, and I think that's what people are looking for when yeah. they start their journey or their research is like, just tell me what to do, Des. Like, what do I what do I have to do? And it's, it's searching for like somebody else's formula to solve my problem. Yeah. And the first thing is, is like, there is no one solution to any problem. Uh, you know, there's, there's nuance to all of this. Mm-hmm. And you just mentioned like, where are you living geographically, regionally? Like what's realistic? Like, where are you currently? Let's meet you where you are now with right. the current things. And, and, and it's, that process of having to work through that mental process of having to work through all those things to understand like, what's my, why, Mm -hmm. what are my individual things? That's what I love about the content that I see you putting out is because you are, you're doing a really good job of giving your own um, perspective of this is what I do, but these, these are the things that you might consider in Mm -hmm. your own journey because you're not me or you're different than me without saying as much. And maybe sometimes, and sometimes you even do that. Just like, Hey, here's some things I see, or these are the mistakes, or these are the things I see people getting really hung up on. Like, but let's break this down a little bit and look at the basics of where you might want to start. And I think that's, what's missing from those videos that you mentioned maybe coming across, you know, at the beginning of your journey when mm-hmm. you're, when you're talking to the, I don't know that, or not talking, but you're viewing the Ed Kaczynski guy who's on the mountaintop somewhere, you know, yeah. or whatever, like number one, I can't relate to this, yeah. this person, but he's giving me like this one solution to doing it this way yeah. in that specific situation. And I, what, I, what do I take away from this? Right. And if you're trying to apply that to your situation, obviously it's probably not going to work no. or it's not the best, it's not the best situation for you. So again, it's like the, the one size fits all doesn't, doesn't work no, here. This is absolutely a place where that does not apply. There are foundational things you should cover, right? right? But the way in which you do that's going to vary for everybody, right? There's, there are some people who their alternative heat is wood that they've dried out and stocked up all season long. For some other people where we don't have that ability, it's propane tanks. Mm-hmm. It's going to vary. And that's just one element, right? And so there's there's a lot to this, but it does take you, it does require you to put in the work to understand where your vulnerabilities are and what you can do to work on that. So I think a lot of people are looking for the one size fits all and the, and the like the master answer. plan. The it doesn't exist. Sorry. <laughs> I think the other part to this too that I've learned is it it's not a, you do it and it's done. Yeah. Nope. There's no max preparedness. <laughs> no. <laughs> because people have... Honestly, people think that you get to a point eventually, right? And there's a lot of people who talk about this on on YouTube and, and social media. You get to a point where you're like, oh, they must have all the self-defense items. They must have all the food storage. They are max prepared. That doesn't exist. It's a constant journey. It 
should always be an evolution of your preparedness and, and of your preps, right? You are constantly going back and trying to see where do you have gaps, mm-hmm. right? And if, for example, with food storage, if you're doing it right, you're constantly churning through your supply. It's not just this one and done, it'll be fine for 30 years. And we're good. It should, no, you should have a layered approach. You should always be looking at what you are using up, where your vulnerabilities are, where you can backstock. It should always be a journey. And that's just kind of one facet of it. Yeah, that the <clears throat> it's, and it means backing up on just on occasion and sometimes it doesn't mean you have to be doing this all the time, right. but it's, it's making it part of the routine mm-hmm. somehow, just like going to the gym or, you know, wh- whatever. Do you know how many people don't prioritize wellness as part of their preparedness? Uh, this happens to be something I'm very passionate about <laughs> knowing about. And it's very few, very mm-hmm. few. And that, that's one of the things that I saw as a massive gap in my own journey and, and, and coming you know, coming into it, like, where can I contribute to other people's journeys in being prepared? Like, where are my capabilities and my vulnerabilities? And I recognized where they were. Mm -hmm. And then also where I could help other people fill those for themselves. And one of them was the fitness thing. When I started to get out there and I started to talk to other folks that spend so much time doing a lot of the things that you're talking about doing, right? And super smart, very, very thoughtful, you know, having the communications with their families. But, you know, from a physical perspective, could very much be a liability very quickly uh, yeah. when the going gets rough. Could you run the distance you need to run with your bug out bag on? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just one example. There's so <laughs> many, right? Like So many. So many having to hike out of something, mm-hmm. having to get somebody out of a situation, a family member out of a, out of a, a you know, a burning vehicle yeah. or something submerged or, you know, just get them into the car to get them to an emergency facility or something like that. All of those things, I mean, come up and, you know, there, there's the what ifs and the what ifs right. and the what ifs. But guess, wow, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. What are we getting? We are getting endangered, endangered missing. Speaking of, uh, that's the first. Yeah. Did you get it too? I got it too. I thought that was just your phone. No. What are like, we doing? Of course, it's my phone. Missing persons? Yeah, I think so. That's awesome. That's a first on the podcast, endangered alert. So that could have been something very different. Yeah. Um, And a good point. Like, I'm glad I asked you where the exits are. Yeah. (laughs) So that's exactly what I was about to say was coming in here, you know, just being and being prepared and not thinking about all the things all the time. Mm -hmm. If you've done the work, you don't have to think about them all the time, but there are some basic things that just become habit when you go to places. And one of those things, when you asked me, when we got into this tiny little room that has one at one exit, Mm -hmm. you came through the front door of the gym today. You're like, Hey, do you guys have a secondary exit in case we, I know people watching this are like, she did not. It's not fucking weird at all. (laughs) Like, I think it's very normal. Like it's, that's the same thing. You know, a lot of people listening to the show go, yep. If I walk into a building or a, you know, a structure that I'm not familiar with, like Mm -hmm. I just take a quick look around and then I know, and then I don't have to think about it again. Right. It's the same reason. I don't know. It's not stressing. No, of course. I think there's a lot of people that also do this too. I hope is that when you're sitting, especially at a restaurant, you are facing the door, you're facing the external windows. You can see the view of the parking lot. You probably identified other exits, especially in places that you commonly go to like Costco or, Mm-hmm. you know, other stores, especially if you have your children with you, do you know what you would do if you had to act now? And I know that can sound like super paranoid, but when it just becomes part of your routine, like you said, it's it's not even a, a major thought because you already know you have that knowledge. Yeah. just it's I'm not filling my brain up with it or all the space in my head up. I just leave a little extra mm-hmm. so that every time I, I walk into these situations, I can 
you know, I just do that. I just take quick evaluation assessment and I move on. And again, that's the, goes back to the stigma, I think that's attached to this topic just in general. But I wonder, and, and this is something I brought up just sort of in the, in the, um, bumbling and jumbling I was doing through the intro, I think. And that is just your perspective um, as a female in this. Because a lot of what, when I, when you look at content creators, and I don't want to label you as that, however, I think you've earned- Just don't use the word influence. I, I, I didn't, <laughs> no, and, not, and I won't. Kidding. But uh, with the content that, that you're putting out, uh, most of this stuff is male-dominated. Yeah. Male-dominated. Um, and it comes from sort of a rough and gruff or- uh, I would just say, um, I don't know what the, the word is, but it's fanatical, mm-hmm. you know, sort of side. I find it to be very off-putting a lot of times. And then there's, but there, there are other people that are doing a good job with it. But your perspective is different. It's the female perspective. You've already mentioned you've got a kiddo, right? Um, you have a husband, right? You you have a job outside of putting all this awesome content on the, you know, up. you have relationships. You live in a sort of semi-suburban area or, you know, or a rural or suburban area, like slash suburban, whatever it is. I, I, I just wonder like how you being, how you think you're being received out there and, and that perspective that other people are getting from you and what that interaction has been like, because you've had, you've been wildly successful in doing a good job. Um, for a long period of time now. And I think a lot of people get worn out with this stuff. And part of it comes from the feedback that they may be getting or not getting in terms of, you know, validation or invalidation of yeah. what they're doing. Can you walk through this yeah. whole this whole pro- part of the journey? Because this is interesting to me. Yeah. I find that when I try to zoom out, I try to say, you know, why do I keep creating this type of content? Why do I continue to find pockets of time to to do this. And for me, the sense that I can empower another family to be able to be more prepared is such a blessing that I can get in return. I There's times where people will message me and they're like, I'd never thought about it this way. Mm-hmm. Or I've started jujitsu because you're showing your jujitsu journey. And I've sh- went to my first handguns, you know, fundamentals class. I screenshot that and I keep it because it's a, it's such a blessing to be able to share my journey and empower somebody who maybe would not have taken that extra step if they didn't see, hey, there's somebody maybe just like me who was not raised in a military or mm-hmm. Leo background that's taking, you know, taking a shot at this and trying it out. There's somebody who is is showing how they prepared in a setting that is very much the same as mine where I didn't think that was possible because I didn't have acres and orchards that I could grow my own food. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, being able to share my journey at a minimum, it gives me the, it, it's just such a blessing for me to be able to empower somebody else to try to start that journey, even in a small way, even if it's something like creating your own bug out bag, Mm -hmm. it's such a small thing that you can, everybody, anybody can do that maybe people in my similar settings have not had a chance to even think about because they just didn't think that that was something they needed to do. But the cool thing, not cool, it's actually quite unfortunate, but the events that keep happening kind of validate the effort yep. themselves. I ha- Often I'm asked, I'll get messages from people, especially women, where they'll say like, my spouse is just not on board, thinks I'm just, I'm going crazy or I'm being paranoid. How can I convince my partner, my husband, my spouse that this is important? 
And I, my answer is always the same. I said, you just have to look at a lot of the headlines of the last couple of years. Those just alone. send them those. Just send them the news. Yeah. It's irrefutable. It's, right. it's already right. information that is widely known. And there are so many, there are so many instances where people have had something happen, whether it's a, a longstanding power outage for hours. Mm-hmm. And when it's hours like that, you lose your food because it spoils people who are dependent on energy systems for like their healthcare, medical needs. Yeah, healthcare needs, something like that. That's yeah. that's now at risk. And so something as simple as a power outage, not being prepared for that is kind of an eye opener. And so that that has just been what com- propels me to yep. keep creating this content because I try to create the content I wish I would have had when I was seeking these answers. And I feel like for me, if I can encourage one extra family or one individual to think differently about their preparedness than maybe yesterday, then to me, that is worth everything. I I have a question. And that is, you seem to be very in tune, you know, kind of with who your audience is, how to communicate with them, the things that they need and want. Uh, I wonder when you look at sort of your metrics or insights within the the platforms that you're playing on, like what percentage are males versus females? I looked at this the other day. Uh, it's actually, no, so it's changed a little bit. Ma- overwhelmingly majority women, women that are my that's age. Awesome. Um, I would imagine women that are, um, have families as well, because a lot of the questions I get back are family-based questions. Like how, my daughter's in, be- she's, you know, toddler how would I prepare for that? Because she grows so fast, right? And she's going to be, you know, how do I prepare for her with diapers and formula? That mm-hmm. feels tricky. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the questions I get are very much family-based or I have seven kids. How would I make food storage work yep. for us? And so, and I love those questions because that points back to the fact that it's such a unique journey for every family. You have to have this constant conversation and thought process about preparedness. It can't just be like a, I stored 72 pallets of beans. We're good. <laughs> and speaking of beans, I'll share with you. <clears throat> and I share this too. I like to share my mistakes because I want to like be as authentic as possible on my You are for sure channel. that person. Thank you. Yep. I, I tell people all the time, the best way to like start your food storage is to take a look at what do you normally eat today? Mm-hmm. Open your pantry, open your refrigerator. What are you already eating often? And then start to narrow in on recipes that you know are favorites that, you're, that are compatible with your family's diet or restrictions. And then go from there because I did the classic fail thing that a lot of people do when they build a food storage is I bought a bunch of stuff that my family doesn't normally eat, but I was like, but this is good. It has a good caloric intake, good shelf life. They're like, but we're not going to eat it. Yeah. I, (laughs) do you know how many like pounds of beans? We don't really like beans. And we had so many beans. Such a good point. Because no one in my the, house eats beans. Because that's what the internet told you. Right. Yep. Because if you look at every food storage checklist, don't get me wrong, beans are an incredible source of nutrition, especially in an emergency situation. That's not what my family eats. Yep. But I bought gallons of it. <laughs> so I was like, no, why did I do this? Yeah. I, I, that's exactly why I'm, why I'm asking the question because you already you alluded to a couple of things there. And I think that is the way people think about preparedness. So if I think, I'm just going to be from a dude's perspective, right? In my own experience, in my own journey here. <laughs> like if I said, if I use the term preparedness, mm-hmm. which is in the podcast, right? This is what we're talking about here. And I said, you know, what are you doing to be prepared? And I had 10 dudes sitting in front of me, nine of them, eight to nine of them are going to talk about combatives and firearms. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the first thing out of their mouth, right? And while that is a large part of being prepared for a lot of the things that can't happen 
you know, in the larger picture right? things, that is where the focus tends to be. And, you know, I, there's probably not a huge argument. Like if you look at the news, like those things that we were just talking about, those are things that you should and need to be right. prepared for. But you just hit a whole slew of things that I don't think crosses most dudes' you know, minds mm -hmm. until like maybe level three or four, maybe even five in that thought process. Yeah. Oh, I got my bug out bag. I'm good to go, right? I, I'm good. You know, like we're good for three days. Okay, you're good for three days, but what about everybody else? Right. Like, and you know, when was the last time you checked those bug out bags? Because you put those things together two years ago, your five-year-old, you know, has now put on five or six inches, you know, of, you know, height and, yeah. you know, they don't even fit anymore. yeah, they don't fit anymore. <laughs> That's not practical. Like they don't need this other little thing that was in there, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever. Food expires, thing. medication expires. All of that stuff. I, again, I, I was just going back to like the male and female perspective on things and, and mother prepper, right. And the being a mom, right. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of things that go into that when I, when I, when we look at the, the being a mom and I don't want to get into the whole gender role thing or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the mindset mm -hmm. of, I am thinking about being prepared. And the first thing that comes to my mind is my, my, my kids being warm or dry, mm -hmm. not hungry, mm -hmm. right. And safe, yeah whatever that means. And, right. and all of those things, like the safety thing can go down a lot of different directions. Yeah. Like when we look at like, do they have enough medication? Do they have, you know, do they have shelter? Do they have the, those are all different things that need to be addressed in your preparedness mm -hmm. plan. But I, again, going back to like the, the, the ratio of, of males to yeah. females listening. Again, I just don't see a lot of females out there talking to that, yeah. cr that crowd. Most of the time, if you try to look at preparedness, especially online, you get a few camps, you get the like very, defense heavy mm -hmm. camp, mm -hmm. you get the homesteading camp mm -hmm. and then you get the straight up survivalist Bushman camp, all of which are I'm, out of reach for a lot of people yep. who live in a suburban environment like me or somebody who wants to be more prepared, doesn't know how to start. They're very early on in their journey. All of that seems so not, it just doesn't seem attainable for them. And it just feels like a lot. So they have a lot of this analysis paralysis and they're like, well, I'm just going to die. Mm -hmm. You know, so I try to give bite-sized ways that people can start and start that journey because a lot of the resources out there will have you feeling like, God, this is such a big task. Or a big one is the financial resources it takes to oh, be prepared. I love this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've been spending some time this month talking about financial preparedness, and it means a lot of different things to a lot of people. And sometimes it's just the basis of where is your money? What is it doing for you? How are you spending? How are you saving? A lot of people will go straight into debt to be prepared, and it doesn't have to be that way. You could have an extra bag of rice, some extra cans of food, every grocery store visit, something that fits within your budget, but doesn't break the bank. And you would be surprised over time how much you've built a food storage. But people just automatically think I have to go to the extreme and buy all of this stuff to be classified as prepared. And that's just in the space of just the food storage part, which I think a lot of people lean into heavy. We saw a lot of that, especially after the years, you know, 2020 and on. It got weird. It got real weird. First started with toilet paper and then it went to beans. Toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper, yeah. Oh, the irony. And uh, I was like, of all the things <laughs> we are worried about here, good right. guys. Uh, toilet paper and beans. Geez, toilet paper and beans. Yeah, interesting combo. But you saw a lot of people just lean in really yeah. hard. And a lot of that is out of panic buying, yes. And a lot of that is is more of a frantic response. 
But preparedness also challenges you to be, to think forward of the possibility of things and then assess your readiness. So you can create a plan in place and then work towards that slowly. I, I never want to come from the perspective of <clears throat> to be prepa- prepared, you have to do Yeah, X, you're not y, prepared Z. until here. Right. Right. And yeah. that doesn't mean that you not pay your mortgage and then buy all your yeah, prep. silly, right? I mean, I, that there's something to be sold here in all of these different aspects of being prepared. And whenever that, because, and it's often rooted in fear or panic. And you just, you just mentioned that yeah. and it shouldn't be like that, but the reality of it is it is, and there's an industry there and all oh, yeah. of those things. And those, in, there are people within that industry that will gladly take your money. Uh, despite what your finances are, you know, like nobody's, no. you're responsible for that. So I just got, man, like this, this is a big I topic. I will say though, so I know we talked about the ready-made bug out bags, right? Mm-hmm. If you look online, I'm going to challenge everybody to do this if they're considering it. Because I get these questions all the time. Like, what brand would you recommend? I'm like, no brand, make it. Yep. Probably have all the stuff already. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the contents of your, the go bag you can purchase, it's a lot of the stuff, one, you probably already own, you could source for cheaper and of better quality. Yep. Right, especially when we talk about medical stuff, do not buy tourniquets off Amazon mm. that are like twelve pack for six dollars. No, um, again, uh, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunist that's put the right, thing out there, a right. shitty product out there. But if I challenge anybody that if they're looking to you know create their own bug out bags as kind of an example to review the contents of what they're about about to purchase, and you would be so surprised at the markup that people are peddling for this type of security that you can purchase when you can throw that stuff together in a backpack, you probably just don't even use anymore. I think the, the, the lesson in this is, is that you'll never be able to buy your capability, right. Or buy your way out of your vulnerabilities. There's work that has to be put in and along in order to be prepared, there is some finance that needs to be allocated Mm -hmm. to capability and, or to, you know, change your vulnerabilities. Yeah. And again, in a world of, well, marketing and all the things, like there's always somebody there that's gladly, gladly going to take your money for whatever. And so it pays to do the work. Right. So, and this crosses all over, you know, whether it's shelter, you know, tools, food, firearms, clothing, mm-hmm. backpacks, right? Yeah. Bags, everything is for sale. So you the, the I, that was interesting what you said that like which brand do you recommend it's like tell me what you have yeah I get right? that question all the tell time tell me what you have what brand do you okay. recommend for bug out bags these are probably when it comes to specific brand questions what brand of uh, bug out bag do you recommend and what brand of survival food and I'm like neither because neither are gonna actually check all the boxes for your family and it you should not put all your trust in a company that's gonna do it for uh, you that's the whole purpose so of powerful. this. You yeah. need to take the responsibility. Listen, no one's going to come save you. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. the response, preparedness is a personal responsibility. And if you are so willing to give that responsibility to a company for the low, low price of whatever the hell they're selling it for you, to you, I mean, then you have completely missed the message of the accountability part. Big mistake. Yeah. Big mistake. And so many people make it. And how big a mistake was it? Was it a $400 mistake? Was it an $800 mistake? Was it $1,200? Was it 12000 You know, how big was it? And what did, what's the true cost of this at the end? Yeah. When you may be dependent on that $400 mistake that you made that you don't find out it's a mistake until you need it. We 
or till it, till it matters. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's, that's something I struggle with. And so uh, going back to sort of, sort of how you put the content out, that is a thing that I think speaks to why you've done so well is that you're not shilling a bunch of products or a bunch of things is the answer mm-hmm. to somebody's preparedness or overcoming those vulnerabilities that they're, yeah. they're sort of two in the same. We're looking at that, but that that's so important because I just said, or we've just talked about like, there's plenty of people out there that will sell you something. Yeah. And with the amount of, the amount of, uh, that were just your audience, right. And the amount of reach that you have, like you can be very easily, right. Be, trying to take advantage of people. Yeah. And I think going back to authenticity and the integrity of what it is that you're, that you're doing, I, I know, and I don't need a metric to show me that because I've seen it long enough and, and it's rampant in this space as, as rampant as it is, or maybe more, I would say at this point than even the fitness space, mm. fitness, like health supplements, yeah. all that stuff. I mean, I played in that, I played in that world my entire life now, so I get it. But, but my, my point of this is, is you are giving people answers without telling them what they have to do or what they should do, or that if they don't do it this way, they're wrong. Right. And that is very different than we see um, a lot of other people playing in the, in the spaces that are mm-hmm. within, within prepare, within the space of preparedness, <clears throat> the larger, the larger space. Yeah. How have you been able to navigate that? I try to, you know, there's, I've had the very blessed opportunity to work with some brands because there are some things that I feel like from a preparedness perspective are an investment, mm-hmm. right. And worth the money, things like gravity water filter or having a, you know, a water tank that's accessible or there's a lot of different things that we can talk about as far as gear, mm-hmm. but I try to do in a way of saying, this is what I use. Mm-hmm. This is why it works for me. Should you choose to also be interested in it? I can talk about it. Mm-hmm. I can show more about it, but I never want to be in this place where I'm saying, you need to get this to be better prepared. This is your end all be all answer. So like, for example, you know, I, I, realized a big vulnerability for my family was access to water if our water shut off, mm-hmm. right? You can do the traditional things of fill your tub, mm-hmm. you know, use the water in a um, an older water tank, right? He- water heater tank. But having access to clean water is essential. And that was a huge vulnerability for me. So we invested in like larger water tanks that are outside of our house mm-hmm. that we were very diligent in the search and what's going to work for us. And so when I had the chance to talk about it, it comes from a place of, this is why I settled the, in this path, in this product. And this is what I can share about it. This may not work for you. Mm-hmm. You may have a way better option you have as a resource, or you may not have the same like space available to, to take this on. But the underlying message is prioritize your water source in however you can, right? And so I try to do that in a way that is unique to my journey. And that was the whole purpose of this page while still being able to highlight what I have found works for me. But I never want to be this person that says, you have to do the exact same thing as I do. It's more of, you need to have this consideration for preparedness because it is such an essential part. That is the thing that I think content creators or folks out there that are really, they maybe enter into this journey or this like wanting to create a channel or a page or Mm -hmm. something where they're trying to help people, that they, they find themselves getting into hot water or into something that they can't back out of, or they realize they've made a mistake in, you know, I don't know, representing a product or somebody or endorsing something that, 
they thought was such a great idea at the time and then learned later wasn't and they can't mm-hmm. wash that taste out of their mouth or yeah. out of the mouths of their of their 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 audience or whatever and it and it erodes what it is you're you're trying to do. But at the same time, if you do a good job with this, it's perfectly okay to say, I really like these guys yeah. for what they do over here. And this is why they're not the only answer. These other guys, they do a really good job too. Yeah. And um and at the same time say, hey, I really like this product, but here's why I don't use it for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like I really like these guys. Yeah. And I like their product. But I did have some problems with their customer service. You know, when I went through this is not what everybody else is saying or whatever else. Honestly, that is what people should be hearing. And that's what I think what they want to know from the consumer perspective who right. are coming to you to like, hey, let me listen to, to what Des has to say about this particular thing. And they're searching it out. And quite frankly, this is what I've learned from the business perspective. Those honest like businesses that want to do the right thing by their customers and have a solid level of integrity, they want that message out there too. Yeah. They don't want to hear all the good things all the time. Yeah. They want to they they understand there's always rooms for room for improvement and they want to they want to find that stuff. And they want to work with people yeah. that understand that and and go about that at a very fair and objective way. And I'm seeing that like particularly and this is like we'll get into this in a second, but on the firearms side of the space. Uh there's more, I'll just say it. There's more bullshit junior high drama there than I've ever seen anywhere <clears throat> in my entire life. We don't say. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, <laughs> right? And, and that is still, that space is still still so new to me. Uh, well, we got to talk about this. <laughs> but my, my, the, the going back to the point is, it's like, you got everybody that's like, this sucks. This is the end all be all. And then there's anything in between <clears throat> and... You know, the, the, what I watched is some of these smaller manufacturers or these companies that are really like coming grassroots, right? That are trying to c- come up and do the right thing are working with people in the industry that give a very honest, objective opinion. And it's not always mm-hmm. in their favor. And they, but they, they also recognize like when they send a product to be reviewed or, you know, work with a person, they'll literally go, Hey, can you review, can you, can you shoot this gun? Right. Or use this pack or, you know, wear these shoes or whatever it is. I want you to beat the shit out of them. And I want you to tell me exactly what's up. Give me an opportunity to fix it, you know, or whatever. And so that we can, we can put it out there to market for the, for the right kind of people. That is something that I think is starting to happen in the, in this. As it should. As it should. And I think that people should be aware of that. But I think it's very tough for the, for the consumer sometimes to make sense of what that actually means. Um, and, and what is actually being said and what is a good product and wait, is he talking shit or is he like, uh, you know, is she, there's is a she way to do all of this with finesse. I think a Sit. lot of creators and people who are reviewing product, right. There's obviously a monetary possibility a, of a monetary it's a business, yeah. right? It's, it's a business, but I respect people who give their unbiased opinion on products because at the end of the the review, there might be some cons and but overwhelmingly pros. I'm still probably going to formulate my own opinion, but that is some good information I would want out of that, mm-hmm. R- regardless of the industry. And that could be firearms industry or preparedness. It it's something that you're right. The people need to hear, and they need somebody else to also be in that mindset where you want to 
run the hell out of this product. And you want to be able to give good review, but an honest review. It, it, it goes back to something you said earlier, which I think is a huge takeaway from the show. And that is, is like, yeah, I'm going to give you my review and my honest opinion. And by no means should you be making all your decisions based on my review and my opinion. You yeah. have your own things yeah. and you should be evaluating that. And if you're doing that, then you'll be able to take the pros and cons from this review and apply them to your own situation and make your own decisions, yeah. which is the whole purpose, right? Being self-reliant, mm-hmm. right? Being prepared means being self means being self-reliant because yeah. as you said, nobody is coming, right? Nobody's so coming. nobody else should be making that decision for you and you shouldn't be putting all your trust in a product, yeah. right? You got to be putting it in yourself and try to make the right products, you know, make might purchases investments. On there's, your own. there's so many times yeah. if I'm talking about a review in a certain product, I'll have people in the comments. So they'll send me a message and just say, well, I didn't go the route that you're talking about. I went with this product and my Ooh. response is, that's great. Good. You found something that works for yeah, you. Cool. Do you want me to be mad? I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we, I, oh, I'm not even disagreeing with yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's Congrats. great. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. I think that's the whole purpose is the fact that you took the work on to find a solution for you. That is the whole that is the whole goal. Yeah, this goes back to so the firearm space. And yeah, you, you mentioned it being it being new to you. Um, the again, I, I talked about ten dudes in a room asking <laughs> what they're doing to be prepared. This is always this one's always going to come up. And and again, I, I'm I'm passionate about this topic because one, I really enjoy going out there and, and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really respect the responsibility of <clears throat> owning, carrying, and using these things and then also spreading the message on how to do those things yeah. well. Right. So that's, that's my connection to it. But you just said, this is sort of new for you. Can you talk through your journey of yeah. like, as you got into this, this mindset and this preparedness, where did this enter in? I'd started really the whole defense space. I, I recognized that that was a vulnerability for me personally. Right. And that, and sometimes defense can be very much a, a personal journey. So for me, you know, being in a county that did allow for a permit to carry and then having that process, which, you know, in the state of California can be difficult. Very. Um, I wanted to take this on and it was very jarring because again, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a whole bunch of firearms. It wasn't um, something that was talked about often. And for me, it was something that I wanted to make sure if the time ever happened where I needed to defend myself, I would not be scared of my firearm. I would feel equipped and empowered to be able to use it safely, right? So I, my journey to firearms, it actually started with going through the CCW process, just like many people. And I actually started with an instructor that was terrible mm. for me. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Like without naming names, I don't Oh, no, no. I, it, you got to go through the, the course <clears throat> and, and the instruction and the instructor that I had started this journey with was very, very militant, very, this is the only way to do it. This is how it should be. This is, if you are doing it any other way, this is wrong. Didn't really take an interest in diagnosing what I was doing wrong, except to tell me that I was wrong. Um, and really wasn't, I found wasn't too helpful in helping me correct some maybe bad habits and shooting that I had picked up or just a, a better way that would fit for me as with my frame, my like, all the things that made me unique wasn't really willing to invest the time to help me be a better shooter and a safer shooter. So it was quite a turnoff. Like I was able to go through and and get my CCW and but so with but but even with that experience yeah. and that knowledge, you were able to obtain the permit. Correct. Gotcha. I it was a non-negotiable. I needed to I needed to work on this. And but I'll be honest with you, there was after obtaining my permit, 
there was a period of time where I did not train because mm-hmm. it was such a turnoff. I was like, man, is every instructor like this? I get it. And I was very blessed to find my instructor and my coach that I have. Thankfully, it was local to me where he was quite the opposite of an experience, was very interested in making sure that not only did I feel comfortable and empowered, but that we could go through the instruction, give me live feedback on how my grip was, how my stance was, all the fundamental things that go into shooting. And I found that I really love the sport. I found that I really love being able to constantly challenge myself to do better, to be more accurate, to to, to focus on different areas of, of my shooting each and every time. Um, so much that I found that an evolution of my continued training would be in the form of USPSA mm-hmm. uh, competitions, which by the way, are still very jarring. I get very <laughs> nervous, but it is a, a natural progression of my continued training, right? I think we fall in, a lot of people fall into the trap where they say, I know how to operate a gun. I'm pretty safe. Uh, I have my permit. I don't need continued education. And then as such, I could not be more false. <laughs> I wonder if we just kind of go back to where we, where you started with this. Think knowing what you know now and yeah. having the great experience, what do you think, what were the limiters? Like what was it about that coach that, that initial experience, what was he lacking? I think he did not even try to put himself in the student's shoes at all. Like you have somebody, I was the only woman in my class and um, there was some nervousness that came with this because it's a firearm. It's not, we're not in knitting class here. It's something that was completely outside of my comfort. Um, I was completely unfamiliar with this and I had a lot of questions and I felt more like I was just a burden in asking these questions rather than help me understand, help me kind of diagnose maybe what I'm missing here. And for, I feel like that instructor, had they just been a a little bit more empathetic, had maybe paid, helped me feel a little bit more comfortable, it would have been a completely different experience. If anything, I felt like it was, we were all just there to check a box Mm -hmm. and that's not what the, that's not what I wanted out of the class. Yeah. That's, uh, I've used this sort of comparison on the show before, excuse me, there's like, there's a difference between a coach and an instructor. Right. And I think that's a little bit of semantics, but I think a coach does the things well that you didn't get done in the first place. And you found in the true coach that you went to, which was first off, taking care of your personal needs, helping you to feel more comfortable. And that's not like through stroking and ego stuff and any of that. It's going through the fundamentals and the basics so that you actually understand personally Mm -hmm. what it is that's going to help you feel more comfortable down the line, right? Versus the instructor who has a list of things that they need to get through in this, in this particular time block or whatever, and they're ticking boxes. Mm -hmm. And you were just, you were just the person at the top of the sheet. Yeah. Yeah. The number at the top of the sheet of how many people had to go through there. And I know there's a lot of firearms instructors out there that listen to the show and there's shooters out there listen to the show that all know exactly what, what you just described. And they, it, they're infuriated right now hearing about it. They're like, yep, that happened. I we was need, totally And we not, need to get those people out of here. I was not right? inspired to come back. <laughs> I, I think the reality of it is, is they're not going to go away. We're always going to have those folks. And what the, what the important thing is, is that we try to get the message out to try to maybe make the consumer aware mm-hmm. that, that that's not okay. That's not what this is supposed to be or should be. And at the same time, make the instructors aware to maybe that they police themselves. If you're that instructor, who's not a really great coach, maybe work on getting some coaching skills, Mm. but also those other coaches out there to reach out 
And yeah. in whatever way, I'm not saying confront, but address, you know, that kind of stuff because it's a turnoff, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, like you were discouraged from going and getting more training because of the awful training that you had at the beginning. Yeah. So if you're one of those coaches that's just bitching about the awful coach or the awful instructor, right? All the time and just saying what, you know, how bad they are and that they need to go away. Well, understand that that person is also like they're, they're, they're impacting your business. Yeah. Right. So what can you do to influence that maybe a little bit differently than just talking smack or, or whatever, yeah. whatever it happens to be. And then understand when that person comes in, this goes back to taking, taking care of personal needs. I can relate this directly to fitness. Mm. How many people have ever walked into the gym in our gym that have had a really awful experience with, oh, a, yeah. with a personal trainer or in the fitness business? I'm but sure you just, get that a lot. A lot, a ton. And, and then same as with people that have had a really good experience. And either way, I want to know about it as an instructor. And I don't want to, or as a, as a coach and a business owner, not so that I can... Not so that I can use that as ammunition as to why I'm so much better and why you should sign up with me yeah. or whatever else is so that I can recognize what this person has been through so that I can accommodate that a little differently this time and learn how to be better next time, as well as keep my finger on the pulse of what the hell is going on out there in, yeah. the, in the community at large. Uh, so I wonder, so when you chose, here's the question, when you chose to go get further instruction and you found the coach, how did that work for you? Was that through a recommendation? Was yeah. this a social so media thing? How I started to go through personal recommendations through people I trust. And um, Coach Martin, his name's Martin Mappa, and he kept coming up. And I was like, okay, one, it's local. I should go. Convenient. Can, yeah, I should go try try this out. And I remember having such a different experience and immediately signed up for another class as soon as I got home because I didn't feel like a burden. I didn't feel like a checked box. And I actually learned so much more in that fundamental class. I just felt like, let's, I need to go back to fundamentals and I need to make sure that I have that secured before I can move on. And I learned so much more in the fundamentals course with him than I did through my CCW process. To carry a firearm. To carry a firearm. It's such a responsibility. Right. And the gravity of it, I don't think a lot of people continue to to really like understand that you should continue to have firearms education. This isn't one, this isn't a checkbox when you have a permit and you're carrying and I'm fine now. This is something that you have to continually put effort into because of that responsibility. That is my opinion, but. How do you, how is this received? Again, I'm going to go back to the female male perspective mm-hmm. here and like the component from your audience perspective. How is that part of the preparedness lifestyle and the message that you're bringing across? How is that received as compared to some of the other things? Oh Again, my God, the women. Yeah, yeah, let's hear about it. The women could not agree more. They're so excited. I get so like, it's, it makes me so happy to get some of the messages. Like, you know, when, when I, I volunteer at our coaches range, especially on the women's courses to be present, to really show another woman that has taken on this journey and is enjoying it. And I get so many messages from some women who say like, I've, I've never, I've never considered a firearm. I've always wanted to, but I'm too scared to take a, a course. And, um, my husband or my boyfriend said he can teach me, but uh-huh. I'm not, I don't feel too confident in, in how that's going to go. That's what should I do? That conversation, man. Yeah. It happens so much. And so I feel like in a way when I can show what I'm working on 
um, at the range um, and talk about it openly, it kind of normalizes this for a lot of women because for whatever reason, it's still such a taboo topic amongst women where it's just not something that, um, I don't want to maybe maybe say taboo, it's just not a popular topic of conversation. But I find that so many women are interested in starting this journey because they want to feel like they are uh, taking on this firearms education. They want to be safe. They want to not be afraid of the firearm should yep. they ever have to use it. Because so many of the women that have signed up for these courses or have reached out for um, just to, to ask a few questions, a lot of them not don't necessarily are, aren't trying to shoot at the range every every weekend or anything like that. They want to feel safe in their home if there's a firearm and knowing how to operate it with family and children. And they want to know that they can count on themselves to be able to use that in a self-defense situation. I've had this conversation before with um, with a couple ladies, um, one on the show where we talked about that very thing and that being the mentality versus Again, that male perspective that I see a lot of times, again, going back to my room full of 10 dudes mm-hmm. and what I, what I ask them, it's not about that. It's, it's, it's always about, well, I have to protect my family. Not, I want to feel safe and confident, right? About utilizing it. I don't want to be afraid of it. Right. Right. And I think, again, compartmentalizing certain emotions or whatever and, and whatever it is, whether it's fear and it, and it, yeah. and it, and it, um, it comes out as macho or you yeah. know the protector mechanism that is maybe automatically built in. I, I I don't know. My point being there is is it's a different kind of it's a different kind of mindset that actually. So it's been confirmed. It's been confirmed many many times that that's usually where it's coming from, mm-hmm. or the mindset and the and the ladies are usually coming at it from. It's like this is cool. Now where do I go? Like right. how, how do I do this? And so again, I go back to the instructor piece. Like you had an awful experience. And that that's more of the experience than than most often, or excuse me, I think that's the most often experienced kind of journey that people go through in general. So they they don't know how to jump to the next yeah. thing, and they're very turned off, and they're less they're less confident than they. And then they, they don't pursue it. And, they and don't then pursue now it. they run the risk of being a liability in a in a situation. Yeah, I think it's it, it's a very interesting space. I mean, I don't want to beat the firearms thing up too much, but it is a popular one. We do live in. America. Mm-hmm. This is, we are in California. You know, we are, you and I have already, you know, talked about that, but you know, we do live somewhat behind enemy lines on that stuff. It's tougher and tougher trying to even, if, if you try to get a, a concealed carry permit in this County, it's not happening. You're not getting one. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pretending like they're processing stuff, but they're not, yeah. you know, like it's, it's so, so I, I, I get that that's part of it too. Like, well, I could never, you know, I can't carry one out. So that doesn't, you know, so I shouldn't have one. And it's, it, yeah. you know, nobody needs these things anyway. Nobody else is getting them. So why should I worry about there being somebody else out there with a firearm? Think it, about that for a second. Right. right. And then there's this other part, which is like everybody, not everybody, sorry, let me, let me retract that. But people thinking that the gun is the answer. Right. And then that is the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, well, now I have this, so I'm good. Yeah. And that can be any further from the truth. That's a lot of people. That's a, it's too it's many. Too many. It's, <laughs> I, I would say it's probably the majority. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. But there's this other, there's other aspects of self-defense and understanding like there are levels yeah. of things. It's a diminishing skill if you don't practice it. That and a hundred percent, which then also leads back to the fitness piece and which is also a perishable skill and perishable thing if you're not staying on top of it. But you mentioned earlier, like the jujitsu. And, and how much time you got? I want to talk about this. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's talk about jujitsu <laughs> because I've seen you as of late sort of posting a little bit more about that and kind of your journey there. 
uh, that's another big one. And oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many great things that come out of that. And again, if I put people in a room, they go like, why train jujitsu? You know, one side of that room is going to be so I can kill you in a fight. And the other one's go, man, this is the best time I take the family. We stay fit. We get to compete. Yeah. We roll, we, our friends are there. This is great community. That is the vast chasm mm-hmm. of what BJJ can be for somebody. So I, I wonder what, what your thoughts are. I, my journey in jujitsu. So when I took, when I took the, when I took the evaluation of my own personal defense and I realized that the two directions I wanted to train is continued firearms training and jujitsu. And jujitsu served many, checked many boxes for me, us as a family. My, I, my journey in jujitsu actually started enrolling my daughter. And I, you know. Why? Because jujitsu for me and my, and thinking of my child, it, and starting them at a young age, their ability to understand what their body is capable of, mm. the self-confidence that comes from that, to know when to immobilize your opponent slash bully if that ever came. You know, you're not trying to knee them in the face. There are a lot of different martial arts studies and find the one that works best for your family. For me and what I wanted, hopefully my daughter to gain from it, jujitsu was a great starting point. And we ended up really loving the experience. Cool. So I enrolled my daughter early. I begged the coaches. I said, please take my young daughter. I know she's not the right age, but I swear this is going to be great. And um, I would sit on the sidelines while I would take her to to training and I'd watch with all the other parents. (laughs) Right. And you realize, oh my God, if I'm asking this of my daughter, Mm Why the hell am I not mm-hmm. taking on this responsibility, right? Because we are our children's first teacher, whether we like it or not. They mm-hmm. learn a lot of what probably they'll start to do or try to do from us. And I can't expect my daughter, I can't be on the sideline saying, you know, bridge, you know, catch the arm bar. Mm-hmm. I can't say all these things and ex- have these expectations if I myself am not doing the work. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, through the... <laughs> encouragement of the jujitsu coaches there and other parents as well. I started that journey and man, it is humbling <laughs> Isn't immediately. It? Cause you think, right. You're like, I know how to, uh, if I'm You're an expert, in- you've been watching oh, this yeah. shit for six months. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to, you know, defend myself, I'll just pull out my fire. Well, what if you don't, what if you can't, what if it doesn't go that way? Yeah. What if you are caught in a situation with that? You don't have that option. Um, and a lot of people think I'll just run in the right, the opposite direction. Well, how fast can you run? What if you can't, right? And so there's so many scenarios, right, that happen. But jujitsu, I started my jujitsu journey. I've been training for a little over a year and a half. And I have the community, just the sheer community that comes from the jujitsu journey is just incredible. Mm-hmm. It's like immediate, it's like, welcome to the brotherhood or the sisterhood. And yeah. You're like, I'm in. Yeah, I've made it. Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, I get so lit up when I talk about jujitsu because it is so incredible. And I feel like everybody should should have it. And the, the, what I really love about jujitsu is that it helps teach techniques and uh, strategy of how to defend myself regardless of my size in comparison to my opponent. Because the likelihood is, if I'm ever in the very unfortunate situation where I'm attacked, my opponent's probably going to be larger than me, have strength over me, size, right? There are still many things that I have as an advantage when it comes to jujitsu that I can train and learn and be more comfortable with than, you know, maybe another sport or, you know, relying only on my firearm or my, my knife. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I absolutely love training. If anything, it's just, I look forward to it. The mats are definitely home when I don't train. I'm like, uh, I need to get back on the mats, but it is such, 
it is such an invigorating sport and it is such an incredible community, but you learn so much of yourself through this process of what your body can do. And just purely from a fitness and wellness perspective, I have never felt stronger. My mobility is far better than it was when I was in high school, when I wasn't really doing anything of, of the kind. And it is, it is something that I come back hungry for more information. And I get to share this with my family. I get to share this with my daughter and she gets to see how important it is to me and therefore is more excited about her journey as well. Because the whole idea was I want to enroll my kid. So if there's ever a situation she has to defend herself and doesn't have tools to be able to do that, she can rely on what her body mm-hmm. is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I took on as my own personal journey and ended up loving it. And I cannot tell you how many women that I've been fortunate to to read their messages that have said, I've tried jujitsu. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And I'm like on the other side of the phone, I'm like, yes, right? And whether it's Krav Maga, whether it's jujitsu, taekwondo, karate. Whatever. Whatever. Try something. There's so many options out there. There are so many ways to, to challenge your body, right? If we're not challenged, we're not growing. Yep. And it needs to be hard. You, if you're ever in a situation where you have to defend yourself and you're rolling on the, around on the ground, fighting off an opponent for six whole minutes, you need to feel how exhausting that is so you know what your limitations are and what you need to work on. And so, again, I was like, how much time do you have? <laughs> uh, no, I love it. I just want to just let you go there because <laughs> the, the passion there, right? And yeah. the, the excitement, like we, people light up. I mean, if you haven't done it, then you you don't know. And it might sound weird, but you, you touched on so many components there. And again, I just want to go back to where you started with yeah. this as opposed to maybe another segment of the population started with this and it started with the family first, mm-hmm. right? And your daughter and... I say we the other side of this podcast when we talk about fitness, training, health, wellness. Uh, you know, people ask like, what would sometimes we get the questions about what's a great place to get your kids, you know, in, involved in sports yeah. or you know what are the you know what's an alternative? My kid plays too much basketball or too much baseball or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I always say, get them on the jujitsu mat, uh, and then. Uh, you know, I've said this as, as well, like you'd be surprised. You might want to get on the jujitsu mat too oh, yeah. once you go because you're going to find out all the things that you just described. Um, obviously, not you. What I loved about what you just shared right there was what a great experience you've had. And not every experience is going to be awesome for everybody, right? right? And and there are, look, I've been to some schools where, it, it, you know, and it doesn't feel so great. Like right. there's, there's a vibe, but you can feel that when you go in. Oh, yeah. Right. And, but again, going back to the kids and getting the kids involved and the foundational stuff that you mentioned there, how to move your body, how to feel confident, you know, what feels weird, what doesn't feel weird. Um, you know, what are my options here? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's realistic? How does it feel to get the beat down? You know, that's important for kids. They need to understand how, what it feels like to lose. Yeah. They also know, need to know what it feels like to win mm-hmm. or what, the consequences of the choices that they made maybe in that, in that particular, that particular circumstance. Especially in an age where we just, we give out participation awards. Uh, too many of those. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, yeah, don't get me started on participation <laughs> awards. You don't get those on the jujitsu mat. However, there are some, there are, uh, what I have is I've seen some schools, uh, martial arts schools do give a lot of participation awards. Jiu-jitsu schools generally don't, mm-hmm. right? It's it's generally you got to earn you got to earn it here. So, um, yeah, so many things. And then from the the more adult perspective, being what that provides you um, from a sense of community, which yeah. is so important. And you're going to find like so many like minded people on the on the jujitsu mat. You know, yeah. 
it doesn't matter where they stand and it sucks that this has to come up and I'm bringing it up. So it's my fault, but no, like what side of the, the, you know, partisan partisan side you might stand on. Nobody gives a shit on the, mm-hmm. on the jujitsu mat. No. Like, we're here to train today. Nobody we're cares what you do for a living. Nobody cares how good or bad of a day you've had. <laughs> right. Get on the mat. We're all going to suffer together today, yeah. right? Because suffering is always better with a buddy, right? You know, yeah. and I mean, I mean that in the in the in a tongue in cheek kind of way. Like it's always fun because you walk out of there, you've had a great workout, you learn something about yourself, you learn something about your fitness, right? Whatever, you learn something about your your sparring partner for the day. You have another contact in the community, um, and if you're going with your kids, I mean, so cool. We're all doing this together. Yeah. And we all get to go home and you know, and and know that we got something accomplished today. And as you mentioned, we did some hard stuff, mm-hmm. right? In a world of where it's pretty soft and we can get pretty yeah. comfortable. So so many people are dependent on what's soft, what's convenient, what is instant gratification, jujitsu and firearms training for that matter. It, that's not it. You have to put in the work. You have to be challenging yourself. You have to also know when you have fallen short because the, I, I don't think of it in the way of success and failure. There's success and lessons. Yep. Right. And so both of those paths, whether it's firearms training or jujitsu, provide you the opportunity to continue to learn and to push yourself. Right. And you have incredible communities in both. Right. I had a chance to witness that when we went to California Range weekend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just this is amazing. Right. The environment here, the culture here, like the community that this fosters. Same thing with jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if you can find yourself in a community that fosters that, that encourages that and empowers you, you're, you're in an incredible path and to continue that journey. Right. So yeah, and you have the opportunity to do that if you want to, mm-hmm. but you have to take the first step, which yes. is go down there and do it. Much the like hardest you. belt is the white belt to put on. It <laughs> yeah, really is. That's a good point. Yeah. I think you're, um, you know, as you've, if you've, you've talked about this is, is the taking the first steps into all the things and, knowing right up front, you're not going to know all the answers. Like there's a journey you're going down here and it's all these, these different things. And you've, you're taking personal responsibility for each one of those things. And you're coming out the other end, having a better understanding of what's the right decision for me next, whatever that happens to be. And never like understanding ultimately even what the end state is Mm -hmm. and not being fearful of that. Like, I just don't want to be in a situation where I didn't do the things I could have been doing mm-hmm. in order to be in a better situation right. or the best situation I could, even on the worst. You want to know what you're capable of doing yeah. and how you're going to, because a lot of people freeze when something happens, Yeah, they freeze up, yep. right? Because they haven't actually taken it upon themselves to maybe simulate that situation either at the range or on the mats to where they won't freeze up. They can react. A lot of people end up going through those motions and then they don't know what to do. And it's, it's a challenge. And then, you know, in hindsight, people will say like, oh, I would have done this. I would have done that. Would you though, mm. without the training and putting yourself in that situation, would you have done all the things you say you're going to do online? You it's know, like a metaphor for life, right? Right. Yeah. I think, I, I wonder like when you're, when you're looking out there and you're with all the things that you've learned, right? All the people you talked to, all the experiences that you've had and you're sort of evaluating maybe just the space as a whole and kind of where people are in it right now. What do you, what do you, what are the big missing pieces that you see people missing in their journey? Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm articulating that question the right way. I guess when, I, when I'm looking at it, like there's so much to learn, like yeah. there's so many things to do. What are, what are the big mistakes that they make? I, I think we've talked about a couple of them is like putting your trust in somebody else, right. Mm-hmm. And their product, 
right? Not figuring out the problem on your own. Yeah. Buying beans instead of yeah. toilet paper or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not thinking of what you actually need. Right. I think a lot of people, well, one analysis paralysis is a big thing. I think they take it all in. It feels too daunting of a task. Right. And they're like, I just, uh, well, if something happens, my family and I are just going to perish. I'm like, that is terrible attitude. Don't do that. Um, I feel like a lot of the bigger mistakes in, are not actually doing the work to assess where your vulnerabilities are. A lot of people think they know, right? And they're like, oh, I'm just going to get a bunch of ammo and, and guns and we're good, right? Or they just feel like I'm just going to um, beef up my home security system. That should take care of everything. I'll get a, I'll get 15 dogs. That should take care of everything. Mm-hmm. Cameras everything. and some dogs. Cool. Yeah, I'm prepared. Where, if an emergency happens, where are you going? A lot of people say, oh, I've got my bug out bags. Cool. Like they don't do the work to think of the next progression of the journey. I think a lot of people will look at preparedness as another checklist and that is a mistake. It should be an ongoing effort. And I don't want to say this in a way that makes it sound like, oh, this will last forever. There are ways to interweave this into your life that it doesn't feel like a, a heavy task. It just becomes part of what you do and you're better prepared for it. What I mean by that is a lot of people will look at um, some of the the easy ways to kick kickstart your preparedness. They'll they'll get chickens or they'll you mm-hmm. know start mm-hmm. a, a garden. Uh, I, I'm like start get chickens, get all the chickens. By the way, if you can get chickens, get chickens. <laughs> but they'll start their uh, car kit or they'll take on firearms training, and then that is just a checked box, and they don't think of the natural progression of okay, what else would this be. Mm-hmm connected to? What else can I do that is kind of related to this effort I just put here? Right. And so a lot of people will do, I'll give you a great example because this is coming up with us, right? They'll take on the uh, firearms training. They'll like live, breathe, all firearms training. Great. And have zero idea what's going to happen and how to react if there was a situation where your buddy is hit or you're hit. Mm. The medical component that comes with that, the training that, that comes with that, the mental clarity to react under pressure. A lot of people will just look at preparedness and the many things that you can do in this space and just check the box and then not have the, and not do the work to think forward of what other parts of this can I take on that would help benefit all the work I just did over here. So that's a big one that comes to mind is a lot of people are really focused on firearms training and getting all the guns, getting all the ammo but if there was ever a situation where you were nearby and there was an, an unfortunate shooting, would you know how to spring into act, to action to possibly save a life? Because in those instances, especially a, a bleed event, you have seconds, maybe minutes. That's it. You could be the difference if somebody lives or dies. And it does not even, it's not even a self-defense situation is do you know how and where you can react to help provide aid? And would you have the confidence and the mental clarity to do that. Because again, a lot of people freeze up. I think the, the what it comes down to, and I, I've said this before in, in some other things, but I don't know that it rings true in this. And that is a lot of the decisions you were talking about making there are not rooted in a lot of logic. But in, but in the end, they kind of are. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's very underdeveloped in, in terms of that logic. And you're, what, you're, what you said there about they're not thinking about what else. And so that's, I guess what I mean by being underdeveloped. It's, it's not very, it's not very deep rooted. It's very surface level. And I think that comes back to the, the, the box ticking that you're talking about there and yeah, getting very one-sided. And I think that's, humans tend to do that anyway. Like they gravitate towards what makes them feel good or what they're, and what they're good at. Right. And so like, 
who doesn't like going out to the range and, you know, putting 300 rounds, you know, on steel and paper and, yeah. you know, whatever, like it's a good time mm-hmm. and you get an immediate result, right. From whatever that you're doing, whether it's good or bad, you get an immediate result. You can, you can immediately evaluate like what I did or what I didn't do. If you're, if you're out there actually out there training and not just going out there to burn yeah. it down, right? Yeah. you'll learn that. So I think that's the, what I'm talking about is, is like, but what are you getting out of this? How do you evaluate success? And at the same time, like, have you thought through this problem? Like I, I had, you, you mentioned like the bleeding versus the shooting, right? Mm-hmm. The pudding holes versus the plugging holes. And we're, yeah, we're about to have, you know, I, I actually meant to, to mention this at the top of the hour. We're about to, I'm going to see you two times in one. In, I know. And nearly, well, actually in a couple of weeks. Yeah. The, what's interesting is this is coming out. Um, and I don't want to get too far off track here, but we're, we're doing a, a attack med class here with Greg Simpson buddy of mine had him on the show before he's a local SWAT medic at a, at a local department and he's coming down and we're going to pack the house with, with people that are going to learn how yeah. or be refreshed how, or be reminded how, or shown maybe in a different way and be introduced on again, the first aid stuff. Yeah. And this will come out like, this will come out like the Friday going into shot show. Okay. So yeah. still before the Actually, attack. No, this this will be this will be at the end. So it'll be the week before. Cool. So this will be the week before. So if you're hearing this still time to and you're on your way home from Shot Show <laughs> here then in, in Northern California or Bay Area, like hit us up. There may be still be be some spots. Um but the the point of this is is the the thinking through the bigger problems mm-hmm. and versus the like, oh, the this is what I see on the internet today, or this is what I saw on the news today. What am I doing? You know, what box do I tick to make yeah. sure I'm not that guy? Yeah. Uh, and it's like tourniquets. I need tourniquets. Cool. Amazon instant gratification. Oh my God. Go to Amazon, order the, 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 <clears throat> you know, the 12 pack for six ninety nine. Yeah. Like what are you reason? How much logic are you really p- putting into that? That is a checkbox. That is such an uninformed decision. And it goes back to all the things that you were saying before uh, about, you know, putting your, your vulnerabilities or your capabilities into a product or a person or an opinion or something like that uh, versus thinking through it. And so I, I think you're right. And I think this, this bleeds over into so many other things outside of the, the, the genre that we're talking about now in terms of people just not critically thinking. Mm-hmm. And some of that might have to do with just lack of bandwidth. Like, it could absolutely, and they're I just being it. hit with so much information. Yeah, and I get it, and it's overwhelming. And you want to, you don't want to do nothing, but at the same time, you can't do everything, right? And then there's people who have jobs outside of this mm-hmm. that, you know, busy taking care of the family. They're just they're stretched. I get it. That you can still move forward at a pace that's maybe a little slower, but you want to move in the right direction, right? And so, like checking the box and getting the. 12 tourniquets for $6.99 from Amazon because they're cheap, mm-hmm. cheaply made. I feel like not enough people are asking the critical questions, like you said, and having the common sense of, are these products good products? And if I'm going to invest in medical and mm-hmm. trauma uh, trauma response gear. Um, but I will also say there there's not enough people that are talking about it. And so I had fallen trapped to that too, right? You you want to get the gauze, you want to get all the stuff yep. and you're like, oh, I, I, I got the kit, right? I'm good. And you realize later on that maybe if I had just taken the time to ask more questions, how do I use a tourniquet? <laughs> is this a good brand? Is this something that is reputable? Like, does that matter in this space? Have you trained with it? Have you trained with it? Um, 
I think more people would find that they can get in this rhythm of asking better questions so that the next time they take on a preparedness task or or another part of that journey, they're better equipped to have that that continued curiosity of like, is this something that's going to work for my family? Is this quality? Is this something I need to spend more time and research on? Um, and I try to share a lot of what I've learned so that people don't make the same mistakes on my channel because it is very... You're, it's very easy to do that because everybody's journey is also going to be very unique to, mm-hmm. to what mm-hmm. they need for their family. But there are some key things that a lot of people get wrong. And part of that journey for me is sharing hey, where I've fallen short and how I've pivoted or I've done something differently. So hopefully I can share that information and the people who might be listening can make a better educated decision. Yeah, it's funny when you came in, you were asking me about like the equipment and, you know, the room and, yeah. and set up and everything. And it's the same, same thing. It's the same. We made a lot of mistakes and we're still figuring it out. Like we just did an episode the other day. We did some, some, some stuff with the voice and stuff with this guy that was on and like, we learned some stuff mm-hmm. like, and, and it wasn't awesome. You know, like when we, the, the end product, it was, it's good, but it's not where we want it to be. Right. Yeah. Or, you just keep learning. And, yeah. and again, it's like, it's just in there. Like, and you have to want to do that. I'm not about to just try to tick a box and, you know, like I have to have this person on the show because, you know, yeah. or I have to have this camera because if I don't have this camera, we can't produce the show. Yeah. We were talking about like being able to put all this together, which is something I kind of want to wrap up with, with regard to, to things, but you don't have to have it all figured out right mm-hmm. now. You just need to take some steps forward. And there are lots of people that are doing a really good job at this, like yourself, in terms of helping you not make those mistakes, mm-hmm. right? Don't, you know, whatever that happens to be. And you, you have to invest the time into finding those people. And again, you already mentioned, like you started that up front and you found some some stuff that was maybe good, but not very relatable, Yeah, right? Finding find the relatable relatable stuff. So as, as you've sort of gone down this journey, you have all these... Um, all this feedback and all these kind of this dialogues, you know, with, with the audience and the people even like today, mm-hmm. people still like checklists, right? They, they still like frameworks to be able to work with it. And I think there has to be some level of that. What do you have those? Can you, do you provide those for people in terms I do. of like, what does that look like? Like I've built, um, just because I know when I started my journey of the bug out bag, I'm like, what the hell do I put in this thing? So I was able to compile, uh, a bug out bag supply list that was fundamental enough that it covered what most people would need as far as like, you want to make sure you have a headlamp, you want to make sure you have an extra pair of socks and if possible, an extra pair of shoes because sometimes people will evacuate their house and have no shoes on, right? Mm -hmm. So little things like that, that would speak to, and I'm just using the bug out bags as an example, that would speak to what most people would need, but leave enough room for customization, right? You're not going to give a five-year-old a bug out bag that weighs 70 pounds. That's stupid. Right. So it has to be something that's unique for your family and your needs, but there are some key things that everybody should cover. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways you can go about that. I know um, a lot of the times in my content, I'll talk about easy ways to kickstart your preparedness. So whether it's a bug out bag, it's a car kit, right? Because mm-hmm. we spend a lot of times in our car. Mm-hmm whether it's learning how to grow herbs or something small mm-hmm. in your back patio or your backyard. I talk about a lot of entry points and I give a simple enough framework in some of my content where people can feel empowered to take on that journey, but know that it's going to look different for everybody. Because what I, what I hope would happen is that people will say, she's doing it. She doesn't 
have acres of land. She, You could see all the other houses that are bumped up to her house in her videos because she lives in a suburban environment. She's doing it. I can do it. I can try it. I can at least try it, right? And so what I hope to do with my content is not only give a simple enough framework where people can feel empowered to take this on, but that they have the tools and the knowledge to be able to thrive in that. Because if you don't have access to jujitsu, maybe you have access to Muay Thai or Krav Maga, just knowing that you're not alone in taking the first step to walk through those doors and try it and that you might actually fucking love it. (laughs) Knowing that you, there are other people that are starting that journey, I feel brings a lot of people comfort because I don't look like your average prepper. Yep. I don't, you know, I'm not. Not not, not compared to those like three different tribes that you were just mentioning before. No, not at all. no. And so that is part of the, what I've been trying to do to change the narrative of preparedness because gone are the days where we think preparedness is just the doomsday preppers. They still probably exist, Absolutely. right? But yeah. normalizing preparedness because there are many just inconveniences and emergencies that happen day to day that you would be surprised. Small changes you could be more prepared for like power outages or your car breaking down. I'm, we're in the dead of winter right now and some places in the country are going to be snowed in or how many times have we heard of people being on the road and there's just, they are stuck there for hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if you're diabetic or somebody in your car is diabetic? What if you have somebody that is is ill or is hungry or cold yep. and you've run out of gas? Like little things like that. That's a very common situation. Yeah. I, the it, So I guess what I'm, what I'm taking away is that's what a good coach does. The good coach gives them a framework, right? And some direction. And there's some fundamentals within that, that framework that pretty much stand true for mm-hmm. just about everybody. But there's room for nuance and there's room for, because nuance is included in all of this, depending yeah. on the individual situation, their needs, their wants, their whys that are in there. And that's the important piece. And I thought you were going to say that, but I just wanted to ask, I thought there was some, some of that stuff out there. But that's what a good coach does. That's what a good, going back to your firearms experience, right? Like you didn't get that at first. Mm -hmm. You learned that in the second experience, like, oh, well, my hand just, all I have to do with my hand is do this to to assert the grip in this particular way or whatever the hell. You know, that's very real. That's exactly how that happened. Whatever we're talking about. Like, oh, that's how I solved the problem for me. It's, you know, the original information that I got wasn't wrong with regard to this is how you, you know, initiate this. But there wasn't anything that was given of any quality that allowed you to figure that problem out on your own. For me. For you. Yeah. And I think that's an important part of, part, of, part of coaching. And so I commend you for that because I think that's probably why, I have a hunch that's probably why people really dig you. It's the reason I dig you. And, and kind of what's going, what, what, what I see happening. And at a time where more people should be listening to, to, to the message that you're giving. And you're making, you're doing it in a... a you're doing it in a fun way. Like I, I, I hope can, it's like a non-threatening I, world is ending kind 100%. of hundred <laughs> percent. Like it's, you know, we went back to kind of like the macho stuff that kind yeah. of exists in some of this, in some of the space, but you're doing it in a fun way. It's you're, 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 it's a bit entertaining. Uh, there's, you can tell you really enjoy doing it. Like you're really passionate about it. Uh, and you really, you work really hard. I mean, the quality of the things that you're putting out and I, from, from a person that does this, you know, a little bit of this too, like, I just want to acknowledge that. I don't know that that happens all the time. Like people love the message, 
but they don't necessarily know what it took <laughs> to get that message to look and sound and feel the way it. it I appreciate it that. Yeah. So let's talk about the channel for yeah. a minute, and you know, kind of wrap up with like, where is this thing? Where is this thing going for you? Where do you see? Mm. Where do you see the Mother Prepper channel? You know, you know, going. What are the things that you're working on? What can what can we what can what can you tell us? Yeah, I so this year I really want to narrow in and really divide. Uh, sorry, really spend time in some more long form content. I know we talked about it a little bit. Uh, YouTube for me is very different, obscure. I've been so used to. I've been so used to um, short form. And so I know there's a lot more to the message. There's a lot more I can share and say. And being able, being able to expand that message onto YouTube is definitely a goal for me and more of that long form content. And being able to provide digital resources to those that want to be able to take something away and do it at their own pace. And so... That is the limitation yeah. of the short form, like the Instagrams or TikToks Yeah, it's or like whatever. 15 seconds, here's your message, go. And yeah, like, and there's not a good way to deliver or connect them with anything like a, like of substance or like... Right. That they can take from it outside of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is, it is, I find that to be very limiting too. Yeah. It is, it is. It's, it's definitely a challenge in the kind of creator and like digital space. And so... I want to make sure a lot of the common questions I I get asked, being able to capture a lot of that interest and finding a way to make that a digital resource for Mm -hmm. people that they can say, hey, I have this checklist or I have this workbook that I can, that she's talked about at length. I'm going to find a way to work this into my daily life and see how I can benefit from that. And so I'm interested in in exploring that for this year, just to be able to provide tangible like resources for people. Um, And YouTube is definitely, I do not, understand YouTube. You, I'm going to have to ask you a million questions. Because well, I, mean, I, try <laughs> I don't to know understand what I'm doing. It. I try to understand. It's a tough one. But yeah. yeah. But so that's definitely my focus. I feel like YouTube's going to like you a lot more than they like me though. No, no. <laughs> You're way more entertaining than I am. No, I, well, I appreciate that. But you have some, some stellar content on there and I love being able to go back and watch and, you know, pause if I need to step away and come back. I think that's the beauty of it, that's right? And how you want to consume it. But long form is definitely different. I'm so used to condensing everything into a couple seconds. And I find that to be the hardest thing to do. And you're oh, no, killing it. But listen <laughs> to you. I mean, you're doing great on the long form stuff now. I mean, I think people would really tune in to listen to you talk at length about any small part of this. I appreciate so, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, looking forward to that. Thank you. Thank you. I, th- I feel like I just got to find my rhythm in it. I mean, you're going to suck at every new thing that you try. And so just jump on it. <laughs> I love that. I love that you say that both of those things. One, you're probably going to suck and who cares? jump in. Yeah. Uh, it is a commitment, but I and also get from you, like when you commit to something, you are all oh, in, yeah. It's right? A yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a character flaw, right? Yeah, like it, it, it works out really well in some places in life and in other ways it can, can really be. I'm, I really have no thing. more bandwidth for any more hobbies. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Zero. That's what I'm saying. Making, <laughs> Don't commi- give me another hobby. Maybe making a commit to, commitment to doing, you know, like a YouTube channel, long form stuff is a huge, is a huge thing, but I like it. We need more of that. Right. And Let's be honest, like as much as sometimes I hate it all, yeah. right? This is the world we live in. And if you want to get that message out, you have to figure out a way to play in those in those different worlds um, in a way that, you know, people can connect with and that it resonates yeah. in, in, in those own ways. And you are, like I said, you've crushed it. You don't need my validation on that. Everybody else has already done that for you, but the you've crushed it on the short form stuff and, and been able to somehow 
put in a ton of value in the short, short form that you're Thank doing. You. And I think that is the big challenge that people that are entering into anywhere, like sort of in the social media space, they're really challenged to do. And they make the mistake of when they're not getting maybe the response or the validation in the, man, I just took two hours to put together this 15 second clip yeah. or longer or whatever. And it, didn't get very much traffic or it didn't get the attention or I don't know, some troll pops in there and just kind of oh, yeah. ruins your day somehow or whatever. Not that I, I don't, you don't strike me as the, per, the per, kind of person that really pays much attention to that. But my, my, my point of this being um, that you're, you, th- there's this, you, you don't really, people don't really understand what it takes to get that message out there. And you've been able to put that value in there, right. In a, in that, in that short format. And then, get people to think. And so I think people may look at that type of a, a content creator of some level of being like a, you're almost, this may not be the right, people might not look at you this way, but I see you as being a disruptor. And, and why mm-hmm. I why I say that is because of the other silos that you put the, the mountain man yeah. versus the homesteader versus there was a, the, the doomsday prepper. Yeah. And there's value in all of those camps. 100% doesn't speak to most people. And so you've disrupted that, those very um, specific, I think, limited conversations. Mm-hmm. You made people think about a couple of things. One, oh, that doesn't really fit my needs, but I get where that guy is coming from. And yeah. that you're kind of in the middle saying very similar things, but saying them differently. Mm-hmm. And that has changed kind of, I think, the landscape uh, of it. I The and I, and I do believe the other part of it is, is you're not coming, you're not beating people over the head with it. Yeah. I try not to. No, you're Some definitely. Some of these messages are. are very like firm messages, but I try to do it in a way that is delivered and received still with, through the vehicle of empoweredness, because it's super easy to turn off the audience and say like, if you don't do this, you're going to perish. Yeah. It's probably true. But at the same time, that's not what they need to hear. They need to probably hear that you can do this. There's easy ways to pivot to make this possible. It should be something you prioritize. Yeah, I think it's um. There's a something to be said for that. I think from the coach's perspective, and if there was such thing as a like a prepping gym, you know, if you will, <laughs> where there was you would rule the world, right? Oh, you're because too kind. because of that empowerment piece. And what you're getting somebody to do is really think on how to do it on their own and giving them a vehicle to be able to do that. I think that's what you mentioned. Yeah. There's giving them a vehicle to be able to think about it and 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 do it a little differently. Which again is the is the reason I wanted to I'm so grateful. To, uh, so am I. Thank and you. again, like anytime I can get we talked about this, like mm-hmm. went back and forth uh, for for a little while, just so the audience kind of knows. We went back uh, back and forth on this a little bit. And I was like, look. I do the the remote things when I absolutely have to, but I'll wait as long as I need to, <laughs> you know, to to get in front of you in person based on, A, what I know from you from the social media piece. But as soon as I met you in person, you know, at, um, again, down in Southern California, I was like, dude, the, the energy here is exactly the kind of energy that, sh- you know, I would have expected. Like you are the same person in person as you are online. And a lot of people, like they always question that. Yeah, it, the, which is, is an odd thing to be questioned. I guess for me, it was always, I'm the same type of bullshit in person. Yeah. As online. Yeah. But it's what for you some, see is what you get. Uh, you're right. yeah. and, but for some people, I would understand how it's a completely different personality. And I think Sometimes that can be tricky. I understand the reasoning behind it because you want to be an authority figure sometimes behind the the camera. 
you want to be, um, it's part of your branding. It becomes difficult though for people to connect with you mm-hmm. if you're completely split, right? Yeah, it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough thing to sustain, you yeah. know, and maintain like you're that's that. That's exhausting. I, I, I couldn't imagine. do it. I couldn't do it. Uh, and again, I think that's a lot of what people see out there. And I, mm. I think just coming back, it's probably another reason you, um, you've been as successful at getting your message out there as you have been. So again, uh, thank you for coming down here and spending, I mean, you took Saturday away from your family or away from training or whatever. I don't know where that fits in, but you had to sacrifice and compromise to be here today. Cost you money to come down here. Gas isn't free. We live in California. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that means a ton to me. And I, there's a ton of value, I think, in this in this podcast to be able to to put out to people. And so I would the, the I would just leave you with this last question, and that is, is there anything that I can do to help you, your brand, your audience, your people, your family, in your journey, in all the things that you're doing? Because all you got to do is ask. No, you are so kind. I think the only thing I would ask of you is, to continue the message because I know I try to do things in an empowering and light way, right? But there's two things that are closely related. I try to always remind people in your own flavor and style is one, no one's coming to save you. And the other one that really kind of drives that point home is you are your your own first responder in in many different ways, right? And so the best thing I could ask of you is to help continue that message and empower others to take on their preparedness journey because it can make such a difference for so many people. I appreciate you, Des. I, I'm committed to doing that. <laughs> uh, I, I, and I'll just leave, maybe I'll just leave it at this. Maybe there is one more question. I, I think there's, there's so much room for these types of conversations to happen mm-hmm. in the future. Um, and maybe I could just cool, reserve, I'm coming back. reserve the right to have you back. <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate you. Yeah. But next yeah. time we have to have Matt so we can get like a, a good spar and roll in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bring some stuff and we'll have, we'll have some fun. Like, and, and again, it's, it's Saturday. So I'll let you get back to your Saturday and your family and all those things. You're awesome. I appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button leaving a review and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.